0: Hello. hello. Hi, Stefan. How are you doing?
1: I'm pretty good. How about you? I am.
0: I am fine. You, I am
1: fine. Can you hear me well on this, or? Yeah. This is actually one of my first times using Skype, so I'm uh I'm not 100% sure on how good the sound is, but it, it sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, sounds fine to me too. Awesome.
0: So, what's on your mind?
1: Well, um, I I don't know how much you remember uh, from my original uh, email to you, but um, I'm going to be starting uh, a master's uh, thesis uh, in the fall. And the subject is basically um, libertarianism as a broad, uh, basically a broad set of ideas. And I think, um, you know, I think, when a lot of people talk about you know, libertarianism, they think they think of it as being monolithic, right? So they think it's either this or it's that. And, and I I don't know if you share this interpretation, but for me, it's it's a body of ideas, and they're often at odds uh, with each other. Though they're you know there's fundamental similarities, but there's basically a lot of debate and a lot of diversity within libertarianism. And I wanted to um, sort of explore that and um, and and the implications of that with you.
0: With me, all right. With you, sounds good.
1: Sounds <laughs> good. Um, so, I think um, I think we'll just we'll start off with something that isn't um, particularly.
0: Sorry, just just before but, we start, yeah. do you want me to be like annoying thesis advisor guy who's going to be cross examining, or do you want to just have a discussion? Or um, what's your, what's, um, well, what would be most useful to you?
1: Well, you know, I've got, um, I've got a few, a few questions, which I think sort of strike, um, at the fundamentals of moral and political theory. And then I've got a few questions, which are, we could do maybe in a bit more of like a fun lightning round. Uh, sure. you know, I'll, you know, you give me your uh, 30 second soundbite politician answer as to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Um,
0: so, let me just, let me just slip into my reptile suit. Okay. okay. Ooh. <laughs> okay, go ahead.
1: Um, so I'll start off with something that isn't uh, particular to libertarians or libertarianism, but but that I think anyone who's interested in philosophy um, is is uh, should be interested in and should be focused on, and that's the question of metaethics and moral realism versus moral anti-realism. And you've obviously you know talked about this a lot. and how, how can we know you know what is moral and how can we know what is what is right and what is just and and I guess um, I guess my question for you there is, um, how every time I, I have this discussion um, with people who are sympathetic to moral anti-realism, they basically say to me, "Look, moral- all right, for those for those who may be listening to this
0: at some point, um, you know, just in case it ever becomes a podcast, if you could just break out the terms a little, that would make because Otherwise, people would be like, oh, I don't know what that means. Right.
1: Right. Sure. No, no, absolutely. Um, so so Moral realism um, is a position in, in philosophy which asserts that um, their the moral propositions can be true and false. So when I say, you know, Hitler is evil, that's not just an opinion. Um, it corresponds um, to some fact about good, bad virtue, so on and so forth moral anti-realism is, is the uh, opposite of that position, which asserts that everything is subjective, there is no such thing as objective value, um, there is no such thing as good and bad, only preferences, um, and there's no preference is more valid than another, basically. Would you say that's a good description?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, so uh, it's, it's, it's it's ethics is a kind of aesthetics. Right? You can't say that Jazz yeah. is bad and rock is good right exactly. right I mean it's some people like jazz some people like rock like rock and all the people who thought Hitler were good were right because there's no objective opinion and the mistake that people make is to think that their subjective ethics somehow relate to some objective truth or reality or whatever
1: exactly yeah I think I think that uh, I think that's right and whenever you know whenever I talk to people and I and and I think a lot to a lot of people um you know it sounds it sounds absurd to suggest that, you know, you can't say things like Hitler is evil, that that's just, you know, that's just like saying, um, as some moral anti-realists would say, it's like saying vanilla ice cream is bad, right? Like, to them, it's...
0: Yeah, or it's it's a form of prejudice. It's like saying blacks are inferior. Right, exactly. You know, it, it is it is the imposition of a universal standard where none exist, right. which is a form of prejudice,
1: right? Which is a form, exactly, is a form of prejudice. and But I guess I guess the challenge for those of us um, who, who are moral realists is how do you... Um, it so it seems like the moral anti-realists are really clinging to a, a really indefensible position when they when they say that we cannot say with any confidence that uh, rape is evil, uh, you know, um, torturing babies for fun is wrong. Um, but how about when you get to things that are a little bit more um, difficult? um, for example, I've had uh, I've had a, you know philosophers uh, just in discussions with philosophers I've had people say you know there's no objective standard for according more weight to liberty than utility or equality or anything like that so basically how how do you um, make the argument to people um, that liberty is objectively more valuable than certain other values which people also hold near
0: right right. Well, and to to reinforce that argument, so I mean the standard welfare state argument is that if you make a million dollars a month, and I tax you a thousand dollars and give the thousand dollars to someone who has no dollars a month, the disutility of what is that one percent? Like the disutility of of you losing a thousand out of a million is almost none; you barely notice it. Whereas someone going from zero to a thousand is the difference between life and death. So you've got a right. net plus. You know, this is the right. uh, the pragmatic calculus, right? Which is that if you take from those who have more than they need and give to those who don't have enough, you end up with a net positive. Right. There's a great line from King Lear, you know, nothing new under the sun and moon, right? It says, uh, the distribution should undo excess and each man have enough. Right. Right? <laughs> so right. from a sort of calculus standpoint, it's kind of indefensible to say, no, the guy the guy who's starving should not get the $1,000 from the guy who makes a million dollars a month. And we can make it even worse and say the guy hasn't even worked. He's a trustafarian. He didn't even work to make that million dollars a month, right? Right. He just inherited it. And this you know, fat Rastafarian guy is just sitting around smoking doobies while people are starving on the streets. Let's... Uh, Let's distribute a bit, right? I mean so from the calculus standpoint I can, you know, if you if you throw aside moral considerations and simply view resources as like chess pieces to be moved around, it's a pretty good case to be made for it. Right. But the case sort of how is liberty become uh, a, a higher value? Well, um, the distribution thing um is, is always euphemized, which is the only reason we have hope for the human race, is that Nobody wants to talk about the gun in the room, right? It's the only way that we know that we've got a chance as a species is that we have to use euphemisms, right? So because people say distribution uh, or they say uh, redistribution, like it somehow got distributed at first and there was a mistake and it needs to be, oh, sorry, you got two pieces of pie. Let me just take one of those away because you're only supposed to get one. Mm-hmm. But it's the the agency that is supposed to do the distributing is the agency of of coercion, right? Right. So when people say, "Well, you know, we should move money here," it's like, I think you should make that case. Mm. I think you should go to the rich guy, and you should say, "Look, here's a starving guy. You have more than you need. Give him a thousand bucks." And you should go and make that case.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Mm. But you can't go in there with a gun.
1: Mm-hmm. But now, in terms
0: because of- because sorry, because then you have just created. Opposing moral absolutes. In other words, some people should use the guns to achieve virtue, to initiate the use of force to achieve virtue, but for other people, the initiation of force is immoral.
1: Right. But how? how And
0: and so, so once, sorry, so once you create these opposing moral absolutes, then forget about the ethics. Let's just talk about the logic of it. Right. How can that logic possibly work? I mean, that literally is. A scientific method which says gravity attracts and repels under the, exactly the same circumstances simultaneously. Right. Well, that's just a fail. I mean, <laughs> we don't even have to go into there's no ethics to a scientific theory, but if your logic of your ethical theory doesn't even pass the smell test, then there's not really any place for you to go as far as the UPP approach goes.
1: Right, right. But I think you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of philosophers who will say. Um, you know, we, we shouldn't, we shouldn't talk in absolutes. So basically, um, insert, insert
0: <laughs> Right. And they've already failed.
1: Insert. Well, we should not <laughs> we absolutely talk should not. in yeah.
0: absolutes. I mean, this is like, how do you even say that with a straight, not you, but how do these guys even say that with a straight face? But, it's a kind of con, right? Right.
1: But the, well, I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's a con in the sense that I think what they, what they mean by that is in certain situations, is it, is it not reasonable um, they, they would they would argue that in certain yeah. situations um, where you would have uh, an increase in utility of 100 million and a decrease in liberty of one. I mean in, in situations like that, is it is it really so morally clear that the that liberty is to be preferred morally? Well, okay,
0: but if you're dealing with a sane human race and if you've got a 10 million plus utility and a minus one, then people will do it voluntarily. Right.
1: No, I mean, no, but I, I think I think that's 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 I mean, that's that's the problem with these kind of extreme extreme hypotheticals, right? is is that they are unlikely unlikely to arise. But, um, I guess, and I think this this actually kind of brings me to my next question. Is I don't know if you're familiar.
0: I'm sorry, sorry. Just before we jump off that one too, the extreme examples, of course. And I mean, I get it. Like, so in science, you 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 can't have an extreme example that breaks a the theory. At least in physics. In biology, I guess you can, right? But but in physics, you can't. And so people will always try and set up these crazy numbers, you know, uh, like a billion utility plus and then minus one utility for freedom and so on. Right. And that's because they want to not deal with the principle right right
1: Right.
0: and and the problem is too you know i understand that there's a logical fallacy called the slippery slope argument you know well if we allow gays to marry (laughs) next thing you know penguins will be raping (laughs) pigeons or whatever it is right right but there is a, a a slippery slope argument that history completely confirms which is that once you give an agency the power to initiate the use of force in a given geographical area literally all hell breaks loose within a couple of generations at best, right? That there, there is no way to contain the disproportionality of violence that you grant to a monopoly like the state. And so you can say, well, we're just going to take one little piece of liberty away here and make all this good over here, but it never stays that way. Of course, power corrupts, right? So right. It's, it's, never, it's never a one-time thing. It's not a fire and, and unload kind of weapon.
1: Right, no, no, I see. I see what you're saying there. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with um with the uh, work of a uh, f- philosopher at the uh, University of Colorado, Michael Humer. Um, but no. he he recently um he recently wrote a book uh is en- entitled The Problem of Political Authority, and the basic thesis of the book is that uh, political. He's an anarchist, so so the base a libertarian anarchist. Um, and, and the basic thesis of the book is that no um, n- no form of course of uh, centralized authority can, can, in the in the, you know in the form of, of the state can be can be justified. But and that's that, that aspect of the thesis is, is very appealing um, to to uh, anarchist libertarians and even just even even not <laughs>
0: appealing is is not a good word for philosophy. You know that right. <laughs> It tastes good, you know, because that smacks. I'm not. I'm just pointing out that if the moment you say an an argument is appealing, you're basically not evaluating it logically. You are looking for confirmation bias, you know. Well, that appeals to my sensibilities, and therefore, therefore, right. I just wanted to point that out. Right. No,
1: no, Like that. I was just using it uh, just in the sense that I think it is an argument that um, that that you know, anarchist libertarians listen listen to and feel, you know, very like. Of course, of course, that's of course that's true. Sure. Um, and but so that's that's the aspect of the thesis that's uh, that's proved uh, to be quite um, that that uh, anarchist libertarians have been very receptive to, and and basically fe- feel that that humor has really made that case uh, perhaps more comprehensively uh, and compelling to make the case. Uh, well, he basically goes through a series of. Uh, justifications uh, for the state, and and basically, it, I mean, you, you'd have to you know, evaluate it on your own, but his argument is, I've shown that none of these justifications succeed, and the state um, is fundamentally uh, immoral, because people, uh, because essentially, it, it does things that uh, if individuals were to do them, it would be wrong for the individuals to do them, and we have no reason uh, to believe that when the government does them, it suddenly becomes okay.
0: Right. So, I mean, there's an argument that's floating around now. I made it on the Peter Schiff show recently, and it, it's a really – I think it's a very powerful argument, which is also not a very rational term, but um, – <laughs> which is to say that all you need to do to convict a CEO of a corporation is to find an employee who did something illegal and then put the – like, put whoever's above him on the org chart. He will go to prison. Right. Right. like It doesn't matter whether you know or not. It doesn't matter whether you're informed or not. It doesn't matter whether you approved it or not. If you're above someone who did something illegal um, on, the, uh, on the org charge, then you go to jail. Right. Uh, you do not pass go. You do not collect $200. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, what is, so that's what the, the government... Inflicts on corporations, and then, of course, what's the ultimate defense for the government when someone does something illegal? <laughs> I didn't know. How could I have known? I was not informed. Right. And so this is—I mean—it's all silliness, but I mean—and brutal. But but that's so—that's an argument, I guess, that would wh- whether whether one of them or the other is justified or doesn't matter. But they're completely contradictory.
1: Right, right, and but so so that part of that part of his thesis, I think, is um, is and, and I think you would be—you know—you obviously um have have made arguments. I think similar arguments about basically. Um, the idea of why why are people okay with things that um, you know if, if people did them on the street they would go oh my god that's horrible but if the government does them suddenly um, you know suddenly it's okay but uh, the book is also a challenge I think to, to libertarians uh, of your persuasion because uh, in, in the book humor Ooh, persuasion <laughs> I hope, I hope <laughs> oh man
0: you're killing me I anyway hope that go.
1: word's okay is that I hope you don't take too much offense.
0: No, no, because look, I mean, uh, you know, it's either good philosophy or it's not. I, I don't yeah. like the isms in general. I'm trying to say anarchism, libertarianism, right. objectivism. I mean, right, right. Um, you know, it's either it's either good philosophy or it's not. And right. philosophy shouldn't be of someone's persuasion. Uh, that sounds like a sophist trick, like, oh, he's really convincing and I'm persuaded by his argument. Right, it's right. like, no, no, it's no. true or false. Anyway, but it doesn't matter. I Come hear on. what
1: you're saying. Um, but so basically, but basically his argument is um, he criticizes um, the sort of Murray Rothbard, uh, tradition of libertarianism which treats um the not you know the non-aggression axiom as being uh, as being absolute as being something um as being something that uh, no, no matter what what circumstances we're faced we're faced with, we have an obligation to follow um, to follow the moral rule uh, rules contained within the non-aggression axiom. And, and his argument basically is that libertarians should repudiate the non-aggression axiom and replace it with a non-aggression presumption. So the idea being that there is a very strong moral preference for voluntary action. Um, and that coercion is almost always wrong, except to defend individual uh, rights, except that there are certain cases, um, he, he mentions emergencies, but he even says that it's conceivable that it would go beyond emergencies whereby the non-aggression axiom would be abandoned because the consequences would be so atrocious if we followed it. And I'm just, I'm just wondering um, what your thoughts are on how, conse- how consequence sensitive uh, we should be when we're when we're formulating our theories because uh, a lot of a lot of um libertarians who have responded to humor's book by basically saying that that's very problematic when you move away from from non-aggression um even. what what does he have like a ticking
0: time bong terrorist kind of thing that he uses as an example
1: well well he um I you know I have I've have, uh, I, I read his uh, contribution on, on uh, Cato's website a few months ago but yeah it's not t- not ticking time bomb but but sort of situations you know situations <laughs> along those lines and you know uh, if you're familiar with the work of Brian Kaplan Brian Kaplan says you know
0: oh yeah he's been on my show yeah, yeah I, the- I,
1: I, I was going to say I think I, I saw him on there to talk about his his book once um but but he says you know it's morally absurd to think that you wouldn't steal a penny to save the world and humor saying if we if we agree with that as being true, then um, from there we can think of other cases which are not as extreme, but that would still justify uh, uh, abandoning uh, the non-aggression uh, principle. Well, so he basically. Sorry,
0: sorry, and and I mean I've I've done I've got an article called the ethics of emergencies, or I can't remember. That's probably Ayn Rand's article, but right. The the case was put forward: you're hanging from a flagpole. Would you not kick in someone's window right. and break into their – apartments rather than fall to your death right. and leave a morally perfect stain on the sidewalk, right? <laughs> and But the the reality is that uh, ethics doesn't exist like physics does, right? Like, whether, we, whether Newton defines the law of gravity or not, things fall down, right? right? In fact, if things didn't fall down, we wouldn't be stuck to the planet long enough to evolve into Newton, right? right. So, uh, for me, let's say that um, it would never be permissible... Oh, sorry, it would be completely permissible to steal a penny to save the world, right? Right. Okay, so let's say someone takes a penny from my coin jar and then can prove to me that, I, that they have saved the world, right? Mm-hmm. Who would ever prosecute them? Right. Like, nobody would ever... We'd cheer, we'd cheer the guy. We'd, you know, we, we'd build statues to the guy. We'd, you know, like, people would write love songs to his toenails. Because right. we're all alive and not dead, right? right? Right, right. So the the issue is like, I mean, it, it ethics doesn't kick in like like somebody has to be aggrieved and somebody has to bring action and and so on, right? right. Some guy kicks in my window rather than fall fall to his death. I'm like, dude, great choice, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like good. Hey, I'd like it if you could fix my window. If you can't, that's not the end of the world. But damn, I've got a great story now.
1: Right. Right.
0: I'm not going to prosecute the guy, and let, but let's say I do prosecute the guy, right, for the price for the you know a couple of hundred bucks it takes to fix my window or whatever. So he's alive, great. You know he's he, has he done something evil? No, he broke my property. It wasn't my fault. He was hanging on the. You know, he'll fix the property, right? Right. He doesn't go to jail for years or anything like that, right? Because so so ethics has to be something that people want to act upon, and so somebody steals a penny to save the world. Not a single human being is going to want to throw that guy in jail, but rather it's going to praise him from here to eternity. So I don't see how even if we accept the premise, any of that stuff would kick in because it's not physics. It has to be the choice that somebody is offended and wants to do something to punish someone who has violated a moral standard. And if the pluses are so overwhelming and the minus is a penny, who would bother?
1: Right. Well, I think, I think, yeah, I think that's, that is a good point. But I think, um, well, here's, here's a good situation. I don't think he uses it in his book, but I think it, it is a good example is, um, you know, you could imagine a situation where somebody's plane crashes in the desert, and they've been, um they've been lying there for days, and they, they need water, or they're going to die. And somebody happens to come by with water, and they say, and you go, well, you know, this is wonderful, right? I've got my water. I'm, I'm so happy. And they go, what do you mean you've got your water? And then you go, you, you have water right there. And he goes, why why do you assume I'm just going to give it to you? And you go, well, I guess, you know, you're, you're not a horrible person. And he goes, well, you know, how much money do you have? And you go, what do you mean? I don't have any money. And he says, well, do you have money at home? And you go, yeah. And he goes, okay, well, if you offer to write me a check for everything you have, I'll give you this bottle of water. Uh, but otherwise, uh, good luck, pal. In in that sort of situation, I don't think um, I don't think anybody would would feel that it would be morally unjustified. I shouldn't say anybody, but I don't think most people would say that that is a sort of situation where you would have a moral obligation to refrain from using force.
0: Well, okay. so um, that's I mean, that's an interesting question. Again, it's completely outlandish. You know, I mean, you go to a restaurant, they'll give you free water. I mean, free water or whatever. But okay, let's say it's possible. Well, um, if people would generally find that to be morally abhorrent, then the bank would not honor the check.
1: Right. But 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 in, you know, since we are since we are talking hypothetically, if um, if you're in that situation, do you think if or if I'm in that situation, do you think I have uh, a moral obligation not to grab the water from him?
0: Um You mean, if you're dying of thirst in a desert, of course you're gonna get the
1: water. But so basically, he's making me an offer, right? He's saying like you you can give me all your money and you'll get the water. Um, but do you think I have a moral obligation to agree to that since since he's basically making me an offer?
0: uh he's not
1: putting a gun to my head
0: no he's not putting a gun to your head i mean frankly i i would just here here's a check you know fine i mean i don't know why i have a check and no water (laughs) or whatever right but but uh here give me the water right and then later i'll just deal with the situation and i'll say look this asshole wouldn't even give me a sip of water without charging me a million dollars or whatever it is right right and and no one no one would honor that contract right did you understand like like this guy like nobody would say oh yeah that's a valid contract <laughs> right cuz i mean it's he's being such an asshole right that that there's nobody no bank no dro no nobody would honor that contract in fact if somebody tried to do that and it was proven i mean i think they'd face some really negative repercussions in a free market society
1: Right, but but I mean, but I I guess I guess I just feel like you know, assume, if we assume, uh, for the sake of argument, that there would be some bank out there uh, or your bank, whatever, w- would be willing to uh, would be willing to cash that check. Um, since we, if to extend the hypothetical further and you really would be wiped out and you really would have nothing, right? It seems to me that it, that in that situation, it would be very reasonable for you to say, look, that's, that's just ridiculous and unacceptable. And I'm just going to take the water and I'm going to drink it and, and I'll never see you again and go to hell.
0: Yeah, I, I have I have no particular I mean given that it's going to happen once every 10,000 years, given that no like no see no one is going to go out into the desert with a bunch of water hoping to find someone dying of thirst.
1: Like this is so outlandish a bit, but you know, okay,
0: so let's test the theory. i don't again punch
1: the guy. He's being a dick. Right. But that would that would be an exception of some sort then.
0: Well, no, because I would argue that you know that that, that um he's he's killing you.
1: Well, he's not really killing me though in the sense that he's not initiating any force against me. He hasn't done anything to me. He hasn't made me worse off.
0: Well, um no, I understand that, but you are in a helpless and dependent situation. Right. Right. So let let's say somebody um is drunk and and they 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 climb into my house. Right. And you know, they they pass out in the basement or whatever it is, right? Right. And I, I just got the door locked, right? Right. And I don't then do anything. I don't. I. I don't go and unlock the door. I mean, they starve to death in my basement, right? Right. Now, uh, they. You know, they've done something. They violated my property. Aren't I just a little bit of an asshole for not unlocking the door? <laughs> the guy go out.
1: Just a little like, bit. Like
0: you could say, well, look, the guy. You know, he can't break out of your house because it's violating your the sanctity of your property. He you Can't break your door down, right? Right. But – and I didn't do anything wrong. The guy just went into the wrong house.
1: Right, right.
0: But if I locked the door and let him starve to death in my house, I mean, everybody would be morally repulsed by that. Right.
1: I think I – think I, I, w- I, w- I would certainly hope so. <laughs> um, I don't know if uh, – j- just, to, just to expand this a little bit further too because I think what you just said there was, was really interesting. Um, there's, there's a uh, political philosopher at uh, Georgetown by the name of Jason Brennan. And he's um, he's one of the main writers. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, the Bleeding Heart uh, Libertarians blog or Bleeding Heart Libertarians. I think I've heard of it. I, I may have read an article a while back, but I don't right. know said really. And and his basically, um, I think it's a really interesting, really interesting blog. And he he, are, um, he, he puts forth uh, in one of his posts, um, he call, he says the difference between um, a bleeding heart libertarian and um, you know I don't, for, for lack of a better term, an orthodox libertarian. Um, or a hard libertarian, to use his particular terminology, is he says that um, a bleeding heart um, libertarian believes that for of institutions to be legitimate, they have to be sufficiently to the benefit of all people. And he then offers a hypothetical, and he says, imagine if we had a uh, Nozickian minimal state or a Rothbardian uh, anarcho-capitalist uh, system of social organization, and under both of those systems, or one of those systems, um, you had, so so basically the, the whole thought experiment here is free market economics um, totally fails, uh, your empirical, libertarian empirical assumptions and beliefs about the way that uh, markets work prove to be totally wrong, and you find yourself in a situation basically in which uh, there's mass starvation, um, uh, you know, the, the entire everything we believed, everything Hayek said, everything Von Mises said about, about markets and prices just turned out to be wrong. And it's just utter misery um, under a, either a libertarian minimal state or a libertarian anarchy. He says that you know, a bleeding heart libertarian would look at that and say, this is absolutely immoral. We have to move away from it. Whereas um, an extremely uh, rigorous um, Rothbardian or Nozickian would say, look, it's really unfortunate that the consequences turned out to be so bad, but we have an absolute moral obligation to respect private property rights, and even if that leads to less, to not only less happiness but absolute misery, uh, morality demands that we respect property rights, and and where so so essentially the question is, in that sort of situation, would you not? Um, would you not abandon a belief in private property rights in favor of an alternative system
0: well I, I you know I mean that's that to me is even beyond the bounds of what could be conceivable right so um, it, it's like saying um, that we build a bridge according to all of the known principles of engineering and then it turns into a, a school of piranha when a school bus is crossing it. What would you do <laughs> because because i mean to 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 have a system of ethics that is universal that is rational that is in accordance with reality that conforms to self-ownership and owning the effects of your actions i mean that's i mean th- th- that's it's like saying we have a medicine that that cures uh, aids and it works in hundred percent of double blind experiments and it's worked for 20 years but what if it turns into a deadly virus the next time you use it right i mean th- that's just outside the realm of of possibility uh, I, I can't. I can't imagine how. Uh, it's it's okay. The, the, another way of putting it is like saying, okay, let's say we get rid of slavery, and the crops all die in the fields. Should we bring slavery back? <laughs> well, no. I mean, the fact is the crops were half dying in the fields because of slavery. You know, let let's say that we stop raping women, but instead woo them, and let's say that that makes everyone miserable. Well, no. The whole point of rape is that. It makes people miserable. It certainly makes the victims miserable, right? So I can countenance the other one stuff as being, but I can't countenance like if we follow all objective rules of reason, science, evidence, philosophy, and logic, uh, and then get completely insane and irrational results. um, That that to me is, that's bending reality too much. That's just saying that that rationality can produce irrationality. Uh, And I just can't, I can't see how that could be sustained as a thesis.
1: Um, but, but, uh, given the fact that, um, if, if you look at, if you look at the last few hundred years of, of, uh, well, not just Western history, but international history, we haven't had, uh, we haven't had, uh, well, not, not only a great many anarchist states, we haven't had any anarchist, uh, well, we've had, you know, Somalia, but that's, uh, that's not a, that's not a fair example. Um, but, 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 so basically, um, all, you know, countries like Canada, US, Britain, Australia have had governments for, you know, as long as, as anybody can remember and if we moved away from that, I mean, is it really so crazy to, to suggest that it might not work out well? Well, it certainly won't, won't work out well for some people,
0: of course. I mean, you know, when you got rid of slavery, all the slave catchers, all the slave transporters, all the people who liked whipping slaves, they hated it. You know, because their sadistic evil impulses didn't get their full play. Uh, sure. I, I mean, I get that. You know, when you say to women, hey, you can have a divorce without going through an act of parliament, which happened in Canada in the 60s, I think, right. all the asshole husbands who like to beat their wives weren't so happy that their wives got to get out. Right? right? So, I mean, there's no doubt that for the sadistic and brutal and sociopathic and psychopathic and so on, uh, a free market society is not to their benefit, but, you know, not that we'll ever get there if there's still a significant proportion of the population who is that way aligned, but... Uh, yeah I, I've no doubt that uh, I mean Barack Obama, how well would he do in a free society? Would he have the kind of power and influence that he has now? Well, of course not. I mean, does he love that kind of power and influence? yeah I mean he doesn't have to work a day for the rest of his life and he still chooses to do all this nonsense right right So he loves this stuff so for certainly for some people, it's going to be a significant negative i mean you know you invent the car and all the people who clean up the horse shit on the sidewalk don't have a job right so right. Uh, i get the creative destruction is going to cause some problems among some people but the idea that if you remove coercion from human society that somehow things are just going to get disastrous I, I mean that just doesn't make any any sense to me that's just i mean that really is like making the argument that if you stop raping and start lovemaking, everyone's going to get miserable.
1: I guess I guess one of, one of the things that, that people um, would point to is um, – well, let's, let's, maybe, let's maybe shift it a little bit into, um, in, into, the, into a question of how, of how a uh, purely market – Just
0: Sorry, just before we do that, yeah. I had one other thought Please. about
1: the guy with
0: the bottle in the desert. Sure. Right, so you could take the guy. You could go take his bottle. And just drink it and say, you know, hey, I'll send you 500 bucks the moment I get home. <laughs> you could do that. And he could, and he would be legitimate in saying, this guy stole my stuff.
1: It, sorry, is this, is this the desert, though? Or...
0: Yeah, the desert and the water, right? So you're dying of thirst. This guy's got a bottle of water. Right. So you can go and st- take this guy and drink it down, right? Right. And you say, I'll send you 500 bucks the moment I get home. Right. And he then can go back and say, this guy stole my bottle of water. And he can press charges against you. Because you have violated property rights. I mean but but the reality is that nobody would would pursue that.
1: Right. Well, I mean I think I think um, okay, so I I mean obviously we are type, talking at the level of hypotheticals, but it seems to yeah, me yeah. that if you you know, if you choose that situation or, or the flagpole Situation is, is see, and this this is where I get a little bit um a little bit concerned about the implications of, of the non aggression principle and and other associated ideas is I, I feel like if if I uh, fell and, and my my hand uh you know was on a flagpole and you know I smashed my way into somebody's apartment and the person whose apartment uh, who owned that apartment just happened to be a pathologically misanthropic hateful person and he said you know what and you, you know, I would have been fine with you dying. So I want, you know, I want ten thousand dollars because I—it's my property, and that was a nice window, sure. or whatever. Um, now, and you say, you know, like uh, in a reasonable free society, you know, people wouldn't enforce that. But presumably, um, this guy is a billionaire, and I violated his property rights. And, and and how hard do you think it would be for him to find a bunch of people who would beat the shit out of me because you know he told them to? I, I guess I just feel like. Wait, 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 wait! Sorry, he's going to hire hitmen now. No, he's going to he, – obviously in, in a uh, anarcho-capitalist society, we would have uh, private protection agencies. And uh, w- w- what's, what, would, what would stop him from hiring them or just some thug off the street uh, to beat me up because he could say – Well, I mean come on. It's reputation. I mean nobody
0: is going to want to deal with a, a protection company that a rich guy can hire to beat people up. Like, the, those, everybody would just cancel their contracts immediately, that these, these people had gone insane. Like, nobody would want to deal with that. Do, do, does that make sense? Nobody wants that element in their society.
1: No, but I just, I just mean that uh, who – basically – No, no,
0: hang on, hang on, because I feel like you're jumping past this one. This is a pretty important point, well, right? Nobody wants a protection agency where some rich guy can just pay them to go have people beaten up.
1: No, I don't think anybody. I, I certainly don't think anybody anybody wants that. But um, I don't. I don't see anything um, that would prevent um, that would prevent uh, our uh, our uh, horrible, misanthropic billionaire friend um, from hiring uh, maybe not one of the protection agencies, but just a bunch of people off the street to beat me up. Um, oh, sure. Look,
0: uh, yeah, of course you can go pay some guys to go beat you up for sure. Uh, for sure. But but that is that is going to be a violation of his contracts with everyone. Right, nobody is going to want private vigilante pay guys to beat people up in society. And what that means is, so this rich guy is going to be incredibly dependent upon all of his contracts. He's got to have uh, food. He's got to have electricity. He's got to have water. He's got to have some place to put all his billions of dollars. He's going to have property all over the place. He's going to have a car. He's going to have uh, investment accounts all over the place. He is going to be incredibly sensitive to contracts. Right. And the contracts are all going to be dependent on, don't hire people to beat people up. (laughs) You know, that's going to be in there somewhere. Of course, right? Because the whole point is people don't want that kind of vigilante justice. They want uh, objective uh, proof. They want verification. They want maybe a trial by jury or whatever they come up with. Who knows how it's going to run in 100 or 200 years. But he is going to be so enmeshed and immersed into the necessary contracts to maintain his wealth and standing that uh, nobody is going to, like, if, if he tried to do something like that, um, you know, he'd forfeit his bank accounts. He'd forfeit, like, nobody would give him food. Nobody would deliver electricity to his apartment. He'd forfeit his ownership right. Like, this would all just collapse around him. He just, I mean, people would want those kind of safeguards, I'm sure. I would, anyway.
1: No, that's that's interesting because I think I think if you look at um, if you look at um, I, I think you have you have a very um, a very optimistic view of, of people and I think that's that's great in a lot of ways. But wait wait
0: wait wait, this is a characterization, right? I'm making an argument. W- what is optimistic about people not wanting random violence in their neighborhood? Well, I mean...
1: well, I would just point you to I would just point you to the way that. Um, Stefan, that, that companies all around the world um, today invest in some of the um, most abusive uh, regimes and countries and, and do terrible things to people. And you don't see stockholders going, ah, oh, you, know, uh, you know, this company is actually hiring armed thugs to murder uh, villagers who try to start unions. So you know what? I'm, I'm going to divest. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who, who do that. Uh, but at
0: the end, look, I, I can guarantee you, I, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur, I've had investors and I mean, I was in an environmental company and everybody wanted to know the greenness of sure. what it is sure. that we did. Sure. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, the guy from Abercrombie and Fitch just made fun of fat people and had to go on <laughs> Facebook to apologize. Right. Uh, chicken filler made some fun of homosexuals and they had to back down and apologize. Uh, boycotts and, and this kind of stuff can just be horrendous, uh, on, on companies and, um, uh, you know, Apple's going in and reforming stuff. But remember, of course, I mean, you know, the whole problem with the Apple factories fundamentally is that uh, you go to jail for 12 years if you even try to start a union right. out there. It's the government, it's the local governments that are oppressing the workers. Uh, unfortunately, it's just the logic of profit-driven remnants of the free market that there is exploitation in that area, but that's because the the brutality is outsourced to the local governments. Uh, It's not paid for directly by the corporations. Uh, If the corporations had to pay directly for brutalizing people, uh, it would not be profitable. It's only profitable because it's outsourced to the state, right?
1: Uh, but 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 i think but I think that you know if if the point if the point uh that you're making is that you know once people found out companies were doing terrible things or people were doing terrible things they would not want to be associated with those companies i I'm not saying you can't find instances in which that's borne out in reality, but I think you can also find countless instances in which people go ah eh, you know what i'm I'm getting my check at the end of the month I'm getting my dividend, and you know what if you guys want to murder you know union organizers you know whatever I, they you know People, I think people at the end of the day uh, will either. Wait,
0: so sorry, I just want to make sure. So you, you have a theory or a situation in which um, a company, somebody's trying to unionize in a company and the company murders. The union organizers.
1: I'm just, I'm just referring to, to, the fact.
0: No, no, sorry. I just, if you're going to throw it, I just want to, if you're going to throw a hypothetical, then let's tease no, it out I wasn't, minute, I
1: wasn't, ref- I wasn't bringing up a hypothetical. I was referring to, um, just to the fact that you have a lot of um, Western corporations uh, in countries uh, all around the world, and when people try to unionize, there have been countless instances of documented violence where those corporations uh, either collude uh, with the government or hire private. Uh, private groups to uh, intimidate, uh, beat up, and sometimes even murder union organizers, and I, I don't see you don't see people en masse leaving those companies and saying, "I will have nothing to do with this."
0: Okay, so um, is it your argument that private companies could engage um, thugs to to go beat people up, and people wouldn't leave? leave those companies or they may not divest of those companies.
1: I just, I I think
0: my, my contention, but but I mean, sorry, but the the whole point is that you you simply can't compare a status society to a free society. Like you can't say, well, you know, it's like, it's like saying, well, you know, the problem is, you see, we can't end slavery because blacks are unmotivated, right? You know, there was this mental illness called drapedomania. I think it was, which was, it was considered a mental illness in the, in the uh, 19th, Century, right? Uh, and it was it was a slave's irrational desire to escape his slavery. <laughs> like it was a right. mental illness, right? You say, well, you see, the slaves, the slaves, they don't even bother to learn how to read, man. They can't do math. They just lie around all day. They don't do anything unless you prod them and poke them. So you turn them loose in the free market, and they're just going to lie there and starve to death, right? Like you just you can't compare a voluntary environment with an involuntary environment, and you can't look at um, for instance, I mean, when it comes to like labor unions and labor law and, and government controls and minimum wage, and, um, I mean, all of the stuff that came out in the thirties to do with, uh, giving unions more power, public sector unions and the government control of so much of industry. I mean, you, you can't compare that to, well, you see, it's going to be like that in a free market, but less hmm. kind of thing.
1: Well, well, let's, let's take, um, let's take a situation um, that. Um... And I, I suppose you could argue that this this wouldn't occur in a free market, but but I think it's I think it's uh it'd be a bit of an uphill climb analytically. Is there was a case um, reported um, I was reading that I was reading about a Professor, uh, admittedly a uh, certainly a left of center guy by uh, far left of center, but I don't think anybody disputed his facts. Um, is, is he had a story up on his blog a while ago uh, about workers at a um, I don't know, one of these, you know, food manufacturing plants. And the company had a policy because the company was concerned um, about, you know, they, they wanted to produce as many of whatever they were producing as, as possible. So they, so they told workers um, that, they, that there would be authorized bathroom breaks. And, they, you know, they could go to the bathroom when the company said. And in practice, uh, these bathroom breaks were just so ridiculously restrictive that you had people um, every single day pissing themselves, uh, and and worse, uh, while they were working, and you know they the in the in the story the, the people went and they bought um they, they bought you know some sort of some sort of tissue uh, to deal with that problem, uh, but whatever it wasn't a tissue I don't know it was some sort of thing and it, and, it, and it over over time it proved expensive uh, to purchase this. So they started switching to some, you know, even cheaper brand, and there was cases of the soaked urine and whatever they were using causing infection. And eventually, uh, these people sued uh, whatever the, the name of the plant in question was, and they won the lawsuit. Uh, and the government uh, created a set of rules, basically allowing, basically giving. You know, creating a situation in which these people were no longer suffering the severe indignity of, of you know pissing themselves on the job, and and I guess you know you know from a libertarian perspective, uh, you know free markets. And where where was this? In California, I believe, was the state. Um, and, and when was this? This was this was uh, years ago. They, 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 the lawsuit uh, they won. How lawsuit. many years ago? Uh,
0: I think. I'm just curious. Like a no, 20? No, no.
1: Uh, this was, I believe, ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. Okay, that the lawsuit was actually uh, launched, and and I guess and were these these can't have been legal workers? They were uh, they were legal workers. Yeah.
0: So legal WASP workers with high school educations and so on were standing there pissing their pants rather than get a job
1: at McDonald's. Well, I, I don't think they were WASPs. Uh, I think they were you know a lot of just very poor people um, who were you know in need of a job, and what, were they?
0: I mean, were they? I mean, I, I mean, if you could look this up, I'd really appreciate it, this because I find this quite a stunning story. Sure. Uh, and my, my spider sense <laughs> is tingling that there's more to this than, than meets the eye. I mean, I can't imagine that, uh, you know, fully legal, documented, uh, you know, workers would, would even remotely stand for something like that. I mean, w- w- why? Especially in the 90s. I mean, 80s and 90s, manufacturing was still doing pretty well in the US. I mean, why wouldn't they just get a job somewhere where they could take a piss?
1: Right. Let me. Um,
0: yeah, check it sorry, out if you could. Me, I mean, I'm,
1: I'm happy to wait. We can edit this part if need. Sure. To. Yeah. Sure. It
0: sounds to me like okay. some sort of, you know, yeah. and and if you try to get another job, I'm going to tell immigration on. Like, there's got to be something here that keeps these people in this unbelievably wretched situation. Um, right. That that can't be just uh, uh, regular old workers.
1: Okay, so I've I've got uh, I've got it up here. So um, okay, so if it's uh, so it's Corey Robin uh, Laboratory and Liberty is, is the name of the post, and um, he says uh, in their 1998 book Void Where Prohibited: Rest Breaks and the Right to Urinate on Company Time, Mark Linder and Ingrid Nygard of the University of Iowa traced the long and noble history of the struggle for the right to pee on the job. In 1995, female employees at an Nabisco plant in Oxnard, California, maker of A1 steak sauce and the world's leading supplier of Grey Poupon mustard, complained in a lawsuit that line supervisors had consistently prevented them from going to the bathroom. Instructed to urinate in their clothes or face three-day suspensions for unauthorized expeditions to the toilet, the workers opted for adult diapers. But incontinence pads were expensive, so many employees downgraded to Kotex and toilet paper, which poses severe health risks when soaked in urine. Indeed, several workers eventually contracted bladder and urinary tract infections. Hearing of their plight, and this is this is great, hearing of their plight, conservative commentator R. Emmett Tyrell advised the workers to wear special diapers used by his horses in New York's Central Park carriage trade. So to me, when I hear something like that, um, I'm... I'm but why,
0: I, sorry, again, I'm just trying to understand, like, why wouldn't they quit? Uh, well, I'm not.
1: I'm not aware of
0: the- like because I mean, you know the free market answer would be, right the free market answer is that uh, you give these workers some consideration. And they're going to be loyal. They're not going to get sick. They're not going to hate you. They're not going to hate coming to work. They, you know, okay. give them some power and control over their own environment and so on, right? And uh, you can woo these workers away easy peasy, nice and easy, right? I mean, someone's going to come in and give them better working conditions uh, and, you know, thus retain loyalty and retention because everybody's got to be clawing their way out of this, looking for other jobs as as much as humanly possible or whatever. Right.
1: right? But I think I think here, and I think this is a blind spot for, for a lot of libertarians is that um, and, and I'm a big believer in, in markets, but there is a certain point where um, you know, people who have very limited skills and, and, and don't have a lot to offer in terms of economic value, aren't in a great position to demand things. And I'll just give but you... But that's
0: statism. I'm, so, I'm really sorry to interrupt. Right? Well, let me but,
1: just... But let me like Okay, so these are adults, right? They're 20,
0: 18 plus years old, right? And that means that they've been in the government schools for a decade or more, yeah. right? No, I take so it. why don't they have any skills? Because the government has been systematically sure. stripping them, of reason, confidence, and skills uh, since they were about five years old,
1: no. or or earlier. I take I take your point. I take your point, and I, and I think I think you know I'm I'm a big believer in, in you know in expanding the domain of autonomous choice, and I think you do that by empowering people, uh, you know, through school choice and, and other forms of choice, and these people would be better off if if you know government schools weren't weren't the way they are, but I do think that. Um, you know there's there's a great uh, there's a great rich beautiful but often troubling diversity of, of talent in the world and by troubling I just mean uh, some people just unfortunately um you know you give them the best schools the best tutors whatever and they're just not going to be uh, in in a position um they a lot I mean they're just well they're not they're not people who are you know no it's okay look talent. I mean and uh, when Queen reformed
0: for their tour they didn't ask me to come be their lead singer. right
1: But I I mean, because,
0: you know, they they're not, you know, uh, I'm not the best uh, rock singer in the world. And uh, they wanted somebody else and somebody better. Right. So uh, so uh, I, you know, I I suck at singing relative to the guy they got, that guy from Free or whatever. Right. Uh, and, and some people are just, they're not that smart.
1: Right. Right. I I get it. I
0: mean, that's the, you know, I, 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 I took dance in, in theater school and I mean, I sucked. Right. Uh, I was terrible. And some people they just got up there and they were just, they just kind of did it naturally. Right. Uh, And, you know, maybe they'd done it before or whatever, but I mean, there's, there's a wide variety of talents in a wide variety of things. for sure. Right.
1: And, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're not good at dancing school, but you're a smart guy. You went into, I think you were in computer programming, right? Before you did this. Yeah, I yeah. mean I
0: started a computer program where right. I ended up as a manager as a right. business owner.
1: And and I think you know for the for the vast majority of people I think um a, a pure free market would work out quite well because they would be in a position to secure um some sort of minimally decent life um even if it's not you know a huge mansion or whatever they they would they would uh, they they would do okay. But I do worry that uh, in in a purely free market with with no um with no labor regulations there would just be some people who would just have so little to offer um, and, and, and companies really would feel um, would feel like, you know what, man, you know what, you, you don't like it here, go somewhere else. You're going to be back here in a week because it's going to be the same. And, and just in my experience, um, I've worked in, in a few minimum wage jobs and it, none of them were great. Um, I, I didn't suffer any uh, indignities like, like these people did. But uh, talking to friends, talking to people, there's, there's just lots of cases of people not being treated all that well at work oh sure and i mean
0: i i got my first job when i was nine i've had a whole series of crappy jobs right. uh, throughout my teens uh, oh yeah i mean and and of course the problem is that the good managers don't stay at the low level management positions right, right? Okay. so so it's the people who aren't really good at managing either because they're new or they just aren't good at it but they have marginally more skills than the workers Um, or at least are willing to work a little longer. Um, The worst managers tend to congregate at the lower end. So you have to kind of break through that to get to better managers who might help develop your skills and all that. So I'm fully, yeah, absolutely. I'm completely aware of that for sure. And I think a lot of people would care about that.
1: I mean, do you not worry? I just, I feel like, you know, there's, there's uh, well I'll give you one example um, and I don't know what what the uh, laws are elsewhere but I know that I know that where I live and I think this is true of everywhere in Ontario um, once you've been working for it's either four or five hours by law um, you you get a break the, the company uh, gives you a break and you know the reason that that was introduced is prior to that you know people were standing on their feet far longer and, and not getting and not getting breaks and uh, you know it's just basically because when people have, when people's options are constrained by the uh, their the absence of ability uh, abilities on their part, it's just not difficult for people who have a lot more power to say, you know what, like it, you don't have better options. Uh, so what what are you going to do about it? And I think that in certain cases, not many cases, the opposite has happened. But I think in certain cases, you've seen the government act in a way uh, through regulation that has improved. Uh, those people's lives and, and allowed them to have some sort of, um, to secure sure. some sort of decency at work. And I just feel like. Oh, I have
0: no doubt of that. Yeah, I've no, and, and there are, you know, women who've had six kids with six different men and the government services that they provide make a world of difference to those children. Oh, no, no question. Absolutely. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. The government has acted in ways that have benefited people um significantly. Yeah,
1: but I think I think the problem with your example there is that you could say, you know what, man, like you've had six kids. Like you you're acting in a way that's reckless and as a result, you're, you know, you're having problems, but it's not like whereas in my example, um if somebody is not particularly intelligent, um they're going to find themselves even if they do act responsibly, even if they don't, you know, you know, do drugs. Uh, they don't. Uh, they don't go and have sex with a million people and have a bunch of kids as a result. You know, they're just they're honest, hardworking people. Um, but but if they lack those those abilities and are therefore so low skilled, um, it, it's just not. It doesn't strike me as as absurd that they're going to be uh, in a situation where they're going to be um, just not treated very well because there's just no incentive to give to give them anything better because they don't. You know, they don't produce enough uh for the company that the company's going to say yeah okay you know we'll we'll give you better conditions they just yeah
0: i know i look I, I completely accept that i mean i i would never argue against that in a free market society people of low value uh, may be treated badly. But, I, I, I completely get that, but, you just but I don't understand what that has to do with statism versus freedom. But you just jumped because in, yeah. the
1: reality is. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, but you jump. You said people of low value, and and what I would suggest to you is, there's people low economic value. Low I'm economic. Just, that's right. What I was saying, right. I just, I just. Brad, like... Brad
0: Pitt gets his own trailer. The extras don't. Right.
1: <laughs> right, but I, I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, f- from my perspective, I don't have a problem, morally speaking. I, I like the fact that the government has taken actions to ensure that people can secure a minimal standard of welfare while they're... No, I get, so we, we, we're repeating the same point
0: here. So let's move on to the next point. Is if that we not can. an
1: important point, though? To, to, because basically- no, it's, it's, not, it's
0: not an important point because the whole point of, of looking at things holistically is not to look at the, the benefits to the few. Because that's, you know, it's like saying, well, subsidies are really great for people who get subsidies. Or, you know, the, the broken window is really great for the guy who repairs the broken window. I get that, but that's not, you know, you're going into a monstrous here, right? you got to go a little deeper, a little wider. I, I, I can
1: appreciate that, but I think, you know...
0: And let me let me just sort of mention what it is that I mean, and then you can tell me sure. if I'm way off base, right? Sure. But, so if you're going to give a monopoly of violence to, to people, right, then yes, you will get some preferential legislation that will benefit some people in some manner, right? Right. But you also get things like... Uh, People having their skills stripped of them through government schools. You also get people getting their asses thrown in jail because of the war on drugs or because they've uh, not complied with any of the 10 billion regulations that infest like multitudinous flies on the shit of the state, right? Right. Or uh, how about wars? You don't get people getting their heads and legs blown off because the government has decided to go play Rambo in some foreign country. I mean, you could go on and on, right? But the idea that you're just going to get these benefits to some workers who have low skills and not get all this other stuff is delusional. I don't mean you're delusional. I no, just no. mean that the argument itself is delusional. Because if you're going to have the state and think, well, I'm only going to get this good stuff, which I like. Right. No. Right? is, is like saying, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to arm this guy, but he's only going <laughs> to steal things that I really want and give them to me. And it's not really going to harm anyone. Well, no, he's just going to go on a rampage and uh, you know some you know so the guy's going to go and steal a whole bunch of stuff and then you know the people who repair all that or replace all that stuff are going to be happy but the fact is he's going on a rampage so you're not going to get this little things that you like from the state without say for instance um national debts uh selling off the unborn or manipulations of interest rates or massive collapses in housing values or uh, you know the massive dumbing down of the general population or control of the interest rates or, or inflation which robs the poor more than any capitalist could ever do right like you're just not going to get these little tidy nice things that you want without this massive thunderball of crap
1: no i think i think and that's you know that's that's um that's a powerful uh what's that word again and, and that is a powerful point and i think i think a lot of people on the left make the error of thinking you know you, you give the government power and and it's just going to use it for good uh and 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 that is that is you know Empirically, uh, you know, shown to be quite false. But I, I feel like the problem with, with a lot of libertarians is that, um, you know, it's it's. And, and again, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to caricature libertarians. But by and large, uh, you know, middle class, upper middle class folks, and it, you know, it's it's very easy to talk about, um, you know, free markets when, when you're living a good life. But when people are at, are at the very bottom. Um, and, and and they're struggling, and they're just being treated like subhuman crap every day at work. And in, in that situation, I feel like if if you know the government intervene, because we have government right now, right? So we're not getting rid of it. So it's not like get rid of these regulations and lose everything else. And on net, we benefit. We have government right now. I feel like. Those people to me, uh, when, when I go when I go to, you know, places and I see and I, you know, you know, just overhearing the way bosses bosses talk to people who, who, you know, who don't have many options, I feel like it's just way too easy for libertarians to go, ah, you know, like some people win, some people lose when you're not the one losing.
0: Well, particularly academics who can't be fired. I, know, <laughs> I, mean, I don't, I don't usually right. wave around my working class hero um, credentials, but I mean, you know, I come from a broadcast single parent household in the middle of a ghetto basically um and i've been busting my ass um since i was nine to build you know so i mean i know i have some you know good abilities and all that but that came about not just i wasn't born with i mean you develop these things you work at these things Uh, and um so i mean i don't like to wave that stuff around because it's not statistically relevant Right. I mean, but yeah, I don't want to be put in the category of the guys who, you know, born with a silver spoon in the mouth right. who say, oh, capitalism is easy. Look, look at the factories. Yeah. I inherited. Right. They're not tough to manage. Right. So, I mean, I do get that, that you can uh, make significant uh, changes and um, and so on. And, and uh, you know, for me, but the people who want workers treated better. I mean, it's not that hard if you care about it, start a company that treats them better. Well, or only invest in companies that treat them better and make the case to other people that they should be treated better or only buy from companies that have a good housekeeping, we treat our workers well and don't make them pee in their shoes kind of stuff, right? I mean, the free. if there's a demand for workers being treated well, then the free market will provide a way for people to satisfy yeah. I mean, that I, demand. I and if there isn't, then a democracy isn't going to help anyway because nobody's going to vote for it.
1: Yeah, I think I think that, that I think that's the uh, that's the that's the reason I said you were optimistic earlier is I just think it's not that people um you know don't are, are, are bad people and they, they don't care that workers are being treated badly but I just think you know we're, we're so immersed you know we're so immersed uh, you know in our own lives and I just think uh, Stefan that when you say you know you could have um, you could have labels suggest saying that you know this is a environment this is this this is that I, I think at the end of the day a lot of people want the, cheapest product <laughs> um and and you know that's that's what they care about because they're immersed okay, in their own but,
0: but sorry but but okay so let's say that people don't care that much about let's say you're right people don't care that much about how other people are treated and they just want to get through their day and do their own thing well that's that's the biggest argument against the state that i can think of because the state is then going to continue to encroach upon them and they're not going to lift a finger because they're so busy with their own lives.
1: No, I mean, it is a good argument. It is a good argument. I'm just, all, all I'm trying to say is that uh, I think that a lot of libertarians have too rosy a view of how things would oh, work don't out. Don't give the me Earth.
0: the utopia thing. Come on. You, no, no. You can't, you can't give me the utopia thing. No. You can't tell me that there's no difference between daytime and nighttime because there's sunspots. No, right? No. I mean, of course there are going to be problems in a free society. People are going to fall down wells. People are going to stub their toes. And people are going to get treated like crap. Of course. Right? I mean, but, the, but what does that have to do with the price of tea in China? Right. I mean, that's, you know, that's like saying, well, you know, some people, uh, if, if we end slavery, some of the slaves might not get great jobs. But the whole it's a moral thing, right? right. It's, it's a moral thing. Slavery yeah. is immoral. The initiation of force is immoral. Centralized coercion is immoral and destructive. And the destructive part, who cares about? I mean, but we're all trying to theorize. Basically, we're trying to theorize what computers are going to look like in 150 years. Right. no I mean, it's a fun thing to chat about, but it doesn't mean anything. We, we don't even know what the price of gold is going to be tomorrow. I mean, if we did, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd be frantically right. phoning people to buy or sell gold, right?
1: No, I think, and I think, you know, the, your, the, the libertarian critique, um, whether it comes from, from Hayek who believed we needed some government or whether it comes from, from people like yourself who believe we should just, you know, do away with the whole thing altogether, um, is, is a powerful critique. I think, you know, central planning has proved to be a failure in, in, in so many ways. All, all, all I'm saying is I think uh, an, honest, an honest discussion of these things, um, of, of these topics... Um has to begin with an acknowledgement that um, that libertarians often are very uncomfortable um, acknowledging that you know for some people um, and and not you know innocent people and this is what you know you could say well yeah for the company that loses its subsidy but I just mean innocent people who aren't super talented who aren't super intelligent in what you call um, you know a free society, um, a society without any labor regulations, I think those people I don't oh, no 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 wait 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 wait. What do you mean a
0: society without any labor regulations? I mean, because regulation is one of these words that sounds kinda nice. It's like government, government or governance. Right? I mean there there are labor regulations, mm-hmm. right? In that all the capitalists are competing for the skill sets of the workers. Right? And so there is an upward pressure to provide better to provide more of what the workers want subject to the laws of supply and demand right so so there are labor sure. regulations to be to be clear about that right no no I and mean, it's not like, it's like people say unregulated like suddenly up is down black is white physics reverse themselves you know the, right. the, the, no. the sun turns into obsidian or whatever right <laughs> i mean there there is still regulations on the part of the workers and that's actually a really good econ talk which you might want to look up from a couple of years ago about a guy who um who went to work at walmart for a couple of months as a reporter to to sort of figure out why these people were there and what they were doing and so on and you know, they were all perfectly aware of what the what the benefits were and what the costs were. And Walmart paid for them to upgrade their skills, and they really, really, they were really interested in Walmart. Walmart really wanted them. In fact, they paid them; they didn't even have to punch out. They just pay. They they would pay them to go and take these little computer questionnaires and quizzes to learn more about Walmart, and and they could set up their own little local sales. And they were really trying to encourage them right. to do all of this funky stuff to up their profits and so on. And um, it, it's a really interesting article to 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 look at uh, just in terms of somebody going in thinking that these people are exploited and then finding out that, you know, this is just the life that they prefer. You know, some people, they work to live and go, I do my eight hours and then I go and have my fun, right? They didn't really care about their careers or anything like that. That's just the way they are. It's what they want. It's nothing wrong with it. It's just, maybe it wouldn't be my choice, but it certainly is fine for, for a lot of people. But the idea that there's, it's either regulation which is coercive or everything is chaos, mm-hmm. as you know. I mean, it's a false dichotomy, right?
1: Do you believe, though, Stefan, that when you look at corporate, you know, what corporations do around the world, do you not, even in cases in which the government isn't, isn't involved in, in rigging the game, do you, do you not see instances of exploitation?
0: I mean, I don't know what you mean by exploitation. The, I mean, it's it's like saying, you know, when you look at slave trading in the seventeenth century, um, aren't you really concerned that uh, that the free market isn't working?
1: No. But what what I'm what I'm suggesting to you is that there's. Well, I, I think the, the article I, I just read is, is a good example of exploitation. I
0: I, I still, I, I'll look more sure. into this because I, I remain really uh, skeptical that um, right. uh, that this was all documented legal workers, that uh, that there was no sure. government interference or, or whatever it is. Uh, uh, because, you know, one phone call to the Labor Relations Board and these guys would all go to jail. I mean, it just seems to me like not a very believable story, even well, given the sort of existing. Well, no, Sorry, because
1: pri- prior, to, prior to the uh, lawsuit being launched, there there was no there was no uh, laws on the books uh, saying that you had to give you had to give employees you know reasonable like it, basically what the company was doing in terms of its ridiculously restrictive laws concerning concerning those things uh, there was just there, there was there was there was no laws uh, against that so they could do it under the law
0: again i mean i I've, the, the, and i say this not due to any malfeasance on your part no, I've just no, i just had some conversations where i remember with Sam Cedar what if you brought up the, well, the the Cayuga River was on fire and that's the free market and it's yeah. like no no'll no. We'll turn out to be government so I no, mean no, no.
1: I, I I just
0: saying. I just I don't know enough I can't answer it I can't answer it at all but I'm just I remain skeptical and that doesn't mean that, no, that no, you're wrong no, I that you can be completely right I, I guess it is. Just, just every time I hear about these nefarious tales like you know this 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 factory that collapsed in in Asia recently it's all government crap and the right. government was for them to build do all this stuff and, and you know every time you hear about this free market stuff, you lift the lid and it's like state cockroaches are swarming all over the place so
1: right. again I, I just I'll
0: look into it a little bit more maybe put something at the end of the show but
1: I, I think the um, only, I guess all I'm saying is I just feel that there's there's a lot of 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 libertarians who basically um and and there's there's left libertarians people like like Roderick uh, long uh, and others if you're probably somewhat familiar with um, who, Rod Long, he's got the best libertarian porn name of, of any I've <laughs> ever <laughs> He really does.
0: He really does.
1: He really does. <laughs> he really
0: does. Um, and, and Until just, get his tenure, you know. Anyway, go on.
1: <laughs> um, but he's just basically been saying that he thinks, um, that, you know, that there are cases where, uh, you know, companies treat workers badly um, and, and libertarians are, are just a little too quick to apologize for that and that, and that libert- and he's basically saying that libertarians should take the concept of uh of worker exploitation seriously and, and not just dismiss it as a sort of Marxist invention. Well,
0: okay, but let me give you if you don't mind uh, just a not a, not at all. a minute or two on my solution to worker exploitation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, in my and I think it's not just mine, but we'll just call it mine for the moment. In my sort of ideal future, right, how do we get to a free society well we get to a free society by practicing the non-aggression principle as consistently as humanly possible in the sphere of influence that we have in the world right okay. like basically fuck the uh, bottle of water in the desert it's fun to think about but you know for instance spanking is a, a violation of the non-aggression principle uh okay. and and 70 80 90 percent of parents around the world are still spanking their children uh, in fact, uh, two-thirds of American moms still hit their children three or more times a week when their children are six and under. Eighty percent of British moms still hit their children before their children are even one year old, which can't be considered discipline in any way, shape, or form, even if you twist the concept right. to permit it. So we have a massive series of violent assaults upon children where children under six years old, the vast majority of them are getting hit 150 times a year at least. Hit. Right. Right? So... Do we not think that being hit 150 times a year, you know, over a decade that's being hit 1,500 times, that this is going to have an effect on human development and one's capacity to stand up to authority and one's capacity to question right. authority one's capacity to be independent
1: right.
0: and skeptical? Of course, you're just brutalized, right? So in my ideal, right, you, you, you say, well, yes, the initiation of force is immoral. Do I care? In particular about people hanging from flagpoles no because there's people hitting their kids all over the world all the time right. it's this constant thunderclap of hands-on tender little bodies right right yeah. so if for instance, we stop hitting our children, that's something that we can do and I've been pushing the libertarian community literally for years, very uncomfortably I might add uh, for their, for their, on the receiving end in this position to say let's stop talking about uh, all this abstract stuff and let's start yeah. talking about what we can do in our own lives to enact the non-aggression principle in the area where it is most violated. I mean, most of us aren't out there getting into fist fights with random strangers, but still, I would imagine the majority of libertarian parents are still spanking. Statistically, that would be the case. In which case, yeah. let's actually live our goddamn values and stop hitting our children, at least, and stop yelling at them, and maybe stop putting them in public schools and so on. So in the future, in terms of worker exploitation, um, children who are hit have significant developmental delays, they lose IQ points, they lose social skills, Uh, they get either uh, passive or aggressive. Either one is not good for getting into any kind of productive uh, economic situation. So even if we could simply stop hitting our children, the amount of human capital that they would retain out of that piece would raise the value of them multiple times. Multiple times. And I'm not even talking about the other things that happen to children on a ridiculously repetitive basis. Like... Being abandoned, like being neglected, like being uh, yelled at, or verbally abused, or physically or sexually abused. Even right. if we go beyond spanking, right? right? So if we treat children well, then we, if we, if we negotiate with them. Right? Like I'm a stay-at-home dad. My daughter's four and a half. We've been negotiating for like three years, and so by the time she gets to be 18, she will never have been aggressed against. Nobody ever raised a voice to her, and she will have had thousands and thousands of hours of negotiating experience. How is that going to serve her in the marketplace? Well, it's going to serve her hugely well as if I'd just been drinking beer, scratching my belly and hitting her on the head whenever she just... How would that factor into... Like, the capitalists can only exploit the workers because the parents have abused the children. And to think that, that, that we can solve it somehow by yelling at the capitalists, I think it's a fine idea and maybe we can do it with a few. But the reality is we really need to start dealing with the parenting if we want to raise... The human capital that the kids have and this is not even and so let's say that the kids don't get hit uh, don't get yelled at don't get told they're stupid or don't get told that they're idiots or don't get told that they're clumsy i don't get told that they're bad all the time don't get told that they're born evil and are going to go to hell unless they lick the blood of jesus or whatever the hell they do right right let's let's say that we don't do any of that to kids uh i think that's great let's say that in a future free society uh, children either self-educate right there's a guy who set up a a um a set of computers
1: mm-hmm.
0: in india uh, facing a street uh, they were just little touch tablets and <laughs> the kids uh they couldn't even read these kids uh, and they figured out these computers in about three days well wow. they they delivered boxes of computers to remote african villages where people had never seen english before they were solar powered computers there were no instruction manuals at all and that wouldn't have helped them even if they did and within a couple of days, these kids were downloading apps, they were sending emails, they were right. learning how to write, they learned how to draw. And within a, a month or two, uh, they had rooted the operating systems to, to bypass restrictions that they'd built into these things. They were designing their own applications. I mean, the amount of things that kids can figure out for themselves uh, is astounding, right? Of course, we lock them into these stupid ass sardine brain mashing school tunnels and watch their brains rot from on high. So if kids are not aggressed against, and kids are actually allowed to to learn and create and and school, uh, however that is, I don't know if it's self-education or collective education, if they're allowed to, uh, as Dr. Peter Gray has written recently, he was on my show, mingle in terms of age so that they can get um, more mentoring from other kids uh, slightly older and also get to mentor kids who are younger. The amount of human capital that will come out of childhood then Will be almost impossible to exploit. They won't have any fear of authority. They'll be really good at negotiating. They'll have had tons of mentoring experience, so they'll know what a good boss looks like. That, to me, is how we solve the problem of worker exploitation. Uh, running to the state is simply putting a band-aid on a sucking chest wound. All right, end of rant. That's my brief thing there.
1: No, I mean I think that that was uh, that was excellent, and I uh, and and I agree with you. I think I think a lot of um, a lot of the reflexive acceptance of, of what the state does. Um, uh, you know, I've had a lot of people tell me. um, you, you know, I mean, I'm not. I don't use any drugs, but I've you know defended the right of people to do so. And they'll go, "Well, that's against the law." I'm going, well, "Why does that matter? Because it's the law." Well, you know, what is what is the relevance of that? You would make a fine German in 1930. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and I don't even I don't even think that's uh, that, that's hyperbole at all. I mean, because really, no, that's 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 the essence. You know, the essence of, of the attitudes that led to, to the regime or is is you know this this idea that we just um, you know we respect whatever the state tells us to do no matter no matter what um, well, why do we allow the state to be so
0: hypocritical because our parents will hit us saying don't hit people or our parents will say do as I say not as I do and then when the government breaks its own rules we don't even notice it because that's how we've been conditioned
1: yeah no I think I think that's that's a really important uh, point, and I think uh, you keep you know keep certainly keep making it um why don't we end with the lightning round and you can and you can be uh, Stefan Molyneux, the politician running running for office uh, to all right but get- right. well, let's be quick get I'm, I'm actually out for a stroll and I'm getting a little chilly but let's uh, let's do a few. Okay, let's do a few So um, child labor uh, favorite favorite objection to one of the favorite objections to uh, anarchist society what would prevent uh, parents from forcing their kids to do child labor?
0: What would prevent parents from forcing their children to do child labor? The fact that in a free market society, the economy is so advanced that children are not even going to be remotely productive enough to hire.
1: Okay, we've got that one checked off the list. These are actually questions people wanted me to ask you. Uh, I sure. thought I thought they were I... There's a historical precedent for that right the
0: moment that, that, that in the industrial Revolution the moment that parents could start pulling their kids out of work uh, they, they tried to as much as as quickly as possible and get them into school I mean the government trailed after that with legislation but um, so anyway I mean once you have you know great robots and you know all I mean, kids what the hell are they gonna do right I mean right. they're not going to be productive
1: um, re- related question to that is what uh, how How would a uh, libertarian anarchist society ensure that uh, parents treat their kids well so basically um, what if what if there were you know parents who didn't want to educate their kids and just kind of kept them at home and, and mistreated them how, how would that be addressed
0: well um if uh, if parents didn't want uh, to to educate their children mm. but they were sort of part of society right well uh, you know, ideally, of course, uh, parents are responsible for the costs that their children occur in society, right? I mean, if I have a dog and I beat my dog and my dog goes and bites someone, I'm liable, right? Right. So uh, if my children uh, grow up feral and they go break people's property, set fire to things, then I'm going to be liable.
1: Right. But
0: uh... Right? So So it will be in people's interests to have their children raised well because that's economically efficient uh, to have them raised well again outside the sort of moral considerations which we're not dealing with because you've got asshole parents on the right. on the radar here right,
1: right. but uh,
0: um and- so so sorry when you're when you're born right i mean uh, you, you know i would imagine there would be some kind of kid insurance right i mean insurance for things that your kids do that would be problematic right they go right. And stab some neighbor's kitten or whatever and you don't end up going to jail for that because somebody else will pay your costs but in order to keep your insurance costs low you would have to parent reasonably well, right? In the same way that if you want to keep your, ins- your your car insurance costs low, you have to drive reasonably well. And if you take a driving course, you get lower uh, insurance costs. So, uh, you know, there's going to be economically productive and positive and peaceful ways to parent, which are going to be encouraged uh, by a system of insurance for what your children do. That would be my particular guess. And, and, yeah, would people slip through the cracks? Oh, yeah, absolutely, for sure. But, you know, we wouldn't have entire clusters of them in ghettos and armies like we do now.
1: Right. Uh, nuclear weapons, how would we uh, – do nuclear weapons have to disappear before we can have anarchy? And if not, how do we transition from government possession of nuclear weapons to private possession or no possession or what have you?
0: Well, if the uh, – I'm reading this audiobook by Lloyd DeMoss, which is available at freedomainradio.com called The Origins of War in Child Abuse, which I'm sure you can guess what the content is from the title. <laughs> right. Uh, If children are treated well, war is not going to happen. I mean, if if children are treated well and there's no government, war is impossible. I mean, psychologically, economically, morally, it's not going to happen. Uh, So, um, but of course, you know, not everyone's going to develop the whole... Not all societies will develop at the same same time, same rate, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't think that nuclear weapons have to disappear. They can't. I mean, you you can't uh, ring the bell. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. I think nuclear weapons are incredibly efficient. Uh, I am absolutely certain that without nuclear weapons, we already would have had a World War III, uh, which would have been even more brutal if there had only been conventional weapons than World War II, right? It would have been between... Uh, the Chinese and NATO or Russia and NATO or America and China or something like that right so uh, the fact that we've had nuclear weapons has brought you know what 70 plus years of um, a significant peace uh, right. to to Europe for the first time in thousands and thousands of years right
1: what about restrictions
0: yeah see, I told you I was out for a walk <laughs> <laughs> That's a motorbike ride um, so, uh, I don't have any particular hostility to nuclear weapons. Um, I think that they have done some real good in the world. The mutually assured destruction, you know, the fact that the leaders can get blown up along with the followers meant that a lot of leaders have magically found their inner peacemakers, right?
1: Right. So, Do, do you have um, any concern about the private private groups um, with fanatical uh, agendas seeking nuclear weaponry or other less devastating but still quite devastating weaponry um, with, with nobody to stop them? Or, or would there be... In an anarchist society, would uh, would groups be justified in preventing certain people preemptively from acquiring certain weaponry?
0: I I would certainly want to live uh, in a society where precautions were taken against nut jobs getting nukes. Sure, Uh, absolutely, and I would, you know, uh, I would be happy to to kick in some funding for that. Given that if nut jobs did get nukes in my whole house and neighborhood and County got vaporized. My property wouldn't do me much good at all. So
1: are we just, uh, I think are we, we justified yeah, I, in taking preemptive action to prevent them from getting nukes?
0: You mean like some cult yeah. wants to get a kind of thing? Oh, yeah, I've no doubt. I mean, anybody who had nuclear technology, uh, I would want them to be very tightly regulated and controlled, and that would happen through, uh, you know, everybody would want that, right? So anybody, let's say that there was some defense agency that wanted to use nuclear weapons as the cheapest way of defending against an attack, and I don't even think it's worth invading an anarchist country because the reason you invade a country is to take over its tax system, right? I mean, that's, that's that's the farm that you're taking over. And so in an anarchic system... There's no tax system to to come in and take over, right? When the when the Nazis in you know, May of 1940 they went and invaded France, why did they do that? Well, to get the weapons, and but mostly to get the tax, to take over the tax system. Uh, there's no tax system in a free in a free market system, so uh, there's not really much to take over. But let's say that somebody wanted to, and so Bob's defense agency said nukes is the cheapest way to do it. Well, great, and maybe it is. Uh, but I sure as hell would want to make sure that Bob's uh, they never abuse their nukes, and and that they never ever. Um, let anyone else get a hold of them, or whatever, uh, and so on. So I, you know, I would want some sort of guarantee from them that they would take every reasonable precaution about that, and there'd be lots of entrepreneurs trying to figure out the best way to show people how that would work and how that could happen, and you know, the smartest and best solution would win, and you know, the usual.
1: Stefan, it was a great pleasure speaking with you. It's been really fun. Uh, I, uh, I think this is going to be, uh, you know, great when I go when I go to sit and uh, write some of the stuff down because I think. I think you're, uh, you know, you're you're provoking uh, debate, and that is always always good. And uh, doing, you know, doing so in a, in a civil way. And uh, you know, there's so much, you know, mudslinging online and so on and so forth. And uh, you know, that's I've never heard of that. Never. never. What is never. this mudslinging of oh, which you speak? You know. <laughs>
0: People... Oh, maybe I have one time. No, and look, I, I, with all due respect as well. I mean, I I really appreciate you bringing up the workers. You know, th- there are a fair amount of. Um, fat whitey libertarian guys. Right, you know. I mean, I, 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 you know, who like can't almost really, you know, well, can't almost imagine why anybody would have trouble in the free market. And there are a lot of broken souls out there that are exploited uh, by people. Uh, I think primarily for psychological more than. Um, than economic reasons uh, but uh, you know like you got to be a pretty cold- ass sadist to make people pee their pants for a few extra widgets that's not even economically fundamental that's just being a complete sadist I think but uh, it is important to remind
1: See, uh, that- to
0: remind us all of, of these people because you know we, we don't want a society where people are getting bladder infections because they can't go to the washroom,
1: well, that sucks. It's funny that you say that though, because I've I've brought this example up with many libertarians and they just told me that, uh, you know, the the people would be worse off otherwise and the company didn't do anything wrong.
0: No, yeah, I, I would, you know, I, I would not, I mean, you could, uh, there, there is something wrong with making people pee their pants and right. take infections. That, I mean, that's, I mean, whether you throw people, I don't know, but, but. That is, that is not good. That is I not mean, good. That is not how people should be getting up and going to work. And, I mean, it's painful. You know, we've all had those experiences. I remember being on some small-ass plane with no bathroom for two and a half hours after having some ridiculous big gulp monstrosity of a drink. And, I mean, it's, re- <laughs> it's really not comfortable at all. And you don't want people to have to go through that every day. Right. Uh, that's monstrous. Uh, and so, no, I mean, I'm with you as far as that goes. I mean, uh, it is important to to not have... Uh, to work as hard as we can to try and find ways that these situations don't don't happen, and just to sort of look at people like they're just some sort of you know those inside each other Russian dolls, just interchangeable and so on. No, these are these are people with real hearts and minds and bladders and you know, <laughs> bladders and all that. I yeah. mean, they're real human beings, and yeah. uh, um, you know, try to, Try getting a bunch of college professors to not take a bathroom break for six hours and see how well they do. Right? I mean, they'd be right. pretty, pretty outraged.
1: Yeah, and and I guess you know, for me, I became a libertarian because you know, I I just I you know, I read I read Kant and just the idea of people as ends in themselves. I mean, to me, um, if you be, if you truly believe in that idea, that um, I think broadly libertarian conclusions flow from that idea. Um, you know, you and I might disagree on on the precise uh, ordering of the institutional arrangements that would best uh, promote you know the realization of that value um, but I, I think we both we both certainly you know agree on on, on the idea of you know the, the supremacy of the of the individual um, yeah and the great thing about freedom of course is that we can't disagree and
0: and both explore those options you in the state of society it's you know it's kind of binary right right but the multiplicity of solutions um, you know if I have a better idea or you have a better idea we can both take it to the marketplace and see uh, how many people we can convince of that, and that continual experimentation. I've just, you know, what what breaks my heart about the state is the greed, which just ends the necessary um, experimentation about optimal social solutions. It just, you know, everything gets stuck in, like a fly in amber. It just gets stuck in time, you know, which is why schools look about the same as they did 140 years ago. I mean, it's brutal.
1: Yeah, it really is. Well, it's been great agreeing and disagreeing with you, uh, and, uh, you know, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, I'm really happy we got a chance to do this, and... Uh, oh, I my will...
0: pleasure, and yeah, thanks for the great questions, and a really, really enjoyable conversation. You you had me sweating.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you were walking, so I, I don't think that was all me, but, yeah, uh, but, yeah thanks so much, and uh, I will continue to, uh, you know, follow your writings and, um, you know, your YouTube videos. Uh, always, always gets me thinking, you know, whether I, I'm saying, you know, I, ah, you know, I have disagreements here and I would, I would, you know, I would contest this, this and this, but I'm, you know, I'm always stimulated. I'm, I'm always uh, thinking. And to me, that is, that is the mark of uh, great philosophy. So thanks so much. Thank you so much. And best of luck with your masters. All right. Uh, I'm sure uh, we'll talk sometime in the future.
0: You bet. Take care. Okay.
1: Bye.